Real Bad is part of the Cage Club Podcast Network. If you want to explore more podcasts about movies and nostalgia, head over to cageclub.me and check out some of our friends. Hello and welcome to another episode of Real Bad, the podcast where we talk about real bad movies and why they want to hurt us. But today we are not talking about bad movies. We're talking about two good movies on an episode of Real Good slash Real Personal, which we'll get into that. But joining me today is Tobin Addington. Hello. Hello. And uh, Tobin, you have your own podcast. I do. What is it about? It's called The Contenders. It's about uh, movies made by and starring women who refuse to play by the rules. And someday I'm going to be on to talk about Blue Steel. Yes. 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 In the fall. <laughs> That's going to be in the fall. Yeah. One of my favorite childhood touchstone movies, because I saw Near Dark and fell in love with it and was like, I will watch anything Catherine Bigelow does. And then she did Blue Steel and I watched it and I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> I don't know if it's still amazing. I haven't seen it in a in long years. time. Yeah, me neither. Yeah. I just remember that was where I realized, oh, this is the woman from Halloween. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then, and this is the guy who played the bad guy in Highlander. And this is Ron Silver. Right, <laughs> Like It's right. all of these people that my brain started to connect. But we're not talking about Blue Steel no, today. Sadly. Another day. Um, another day. I wanted to do another real good episode where we talked about personal movies. Really, it just gives me an excuse to talk about a movie I wanted to talk about with you for a long time. Uh, but y- we both picked movies that I think my I think my word to you or my line to you was like – Movies that didn't necessarily have a huge impact, but had a huge impact on you in one way or another. And uh, we're going to talk about that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know how well that holds up, but I'm excited to talk about both of these movies because you had not seen my selection and I had not seen your selection. Exactly. And I love that. Exactly. I love getting to see new stuff. Yeah. Especially when I think it's good. <laughs> uh, and I really had an interesting time watching this movie. Mm. I've explained it to a few people around the office. Mm. And it's amazing how animated I get by the time I'm done talking about it. So you picked the 1999 film, uh, The End of the Affair. I did. Neil Jordan. Um, Neil Jordan is a filmmaker I deeply respect. Mm. I don't like a lot of his films. <laughs> um, I really think Interview with the Vampire is one of the best literary adaptations I've ever seen. Agreed. It is an incredible film, and he he knows how to capture emotion and how to get actors to really give uh, that thing that needs to be captured. Totally. And that's present in Interview with the Vampire. You know, you wouldn't think it because it's, you know, this vampire right. movie. Don Cruise. Yeah, 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 but the performance is in there. Brad Pitt's still a little raw in mm-hmm. that movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But like Tom Cruise and uh, Kirsten Dunst, Dunst yeah. like a career-making performance. 100%. When she was, what was she, like 10? Yeah, 10, 11, whatever. I yeah. mean, she was so young, but man, just the the that star, she, holy cow. And yeah. that was the first time that I ever realized how much of a good actor Tom Cruise could be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Separated from his weird personal life. Totally. <laughs> He's totally. a hell of a performer. Um, but tell me about The End of the Affair. Just tell everybody what it is. Okay, so The End of the Affair is an adaptation of a Graham, Graham Greene novel, uh, this, uh, a, a, a sort of autobiographical novel, which we'll get into later. I um, did not know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I know. Uh, and and follows uh, a, a, a sort of in flash, kind of in flashback, a, a doomed love affair between a couple of people during World War II. In England. Uh, in England. So That's important. Yep, right. Yes, for sure, for sure. Um, it's not uh, just a setting to be romantic. No, both like, thematically and plot-wise and character-wise at yes. all. It's very, very, very English. Yes. Um, and and so then it's it's a you know, it's it's a, it is a, a tragic love story set in uh, in the nineteen forties and uh, in the nineteen forties in, in England. 
Yeah. A um, lot of uh, different overtones running through it. Um, but first thing that I want to talk about really is uh, the cast. Yes. Because I think it's an exceptional cast. And I even texted you while I was <laughs> yeah. watching. It was like, this cast. I love that. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, Julianne Moore's two years off of Boogie Nights, mm-hmm. which was I mean, she'd been doing stuff before that, but I think that was her big breakout. Yeah, like, that was the sure. one where she, and then that same year she did Magnolia. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people criticize Magnolia for being very theatrical and over the top. I love it. Me I too. I absolutely love it. You have to be in the mood for it, um, which I think is true of all Paul Thomas Anderson films. Yeah, kind of. It's he. It's not one you just put in. You're no. Like, oh, I'm just going to watch Magnolia. It's like no, tonight it's a Magnolia night. I like it's a... really want to be put through the ringer. <laughs> yes, exactly. And uh, she was magnificent in there. She's magnificent in here, but two very different performances. Ray Fiennes, I mean, what else do you say about Ray Fiennes other than it's Ray Fiennes doing a great job as usual? Mm-hmm. And then the third, well, the f- there's four really, but the third actor is someone that collaborates with Neil Jordan a lot, right. just Stephen Rhea. Right. Is it Rhea? I've always, always said Ray, but- Maybe it it's Rhea. Ray. I, Maybe I'm Stephen sure. Ray. Yeah. Um, if you've seen any Neil Jordan film, whether it's The Crying Game or Interview with the Vampire right. or uh, uh, the Wolf movie that we actually did on this podcast, <laughs> you've seen Stephen Ray. He's uh, a wonderful actor. But those are the big three. Right. And then Jason Isaacs, who most of you will know as one of the bad guys in Harry Potter. Lucius Malfoy. Lucius Malfoy. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not a Potter no, fan. No, I know you're not. So I, I, I don't know, man. <laughs> your, your voice always goes into that register when Harry Potter talk comes up. <laughs> I think it's a little bit of of jealousy, I think. <laughs> it's kind of like everybody else has this thing. Yeah, and I'm not a sure, part of sure. this thing. But sure. um, wonderful actors, wonderfully directed. I will say that your selection for this episode is much classier than mine. But um, <laughs> you put Ray Fiennes in it is going to be classy. I say that, though, but then Ray Fiennes did this amazing thing in a Cronenberg film called Spider. Yes. Where one of the big things you think about with Ray Fiennes is his voice. Right. He has this wonderful voice. But in Spider, he doesn't use it. Right. It's all a physical performance, and it's also amazing. Proof right. that he's just a great actor. And this, the end of the affair comes on the heels of kind of his, or it's kind of the, t- the, the tail end of his kind of um, romantic lead period, right? Right. So he breaks out in, in that sense in The English Patient. Huge uh, film. Huge movie, very dear to my heart. Uh, uh, and then he does a movie called Oscar and Lucinda. Have you ever seen Oscar and Lucinda? I haven't, but I know of it. It's a Jillian Armstrong movie with uh, with Kate Blanchett before she was known, mm-hmm. and the two and it is another sort of uh, doomedish love story, and it, it involves sort of um, the floating of a ch- of a glass church down a river in Australia in the eighteen hundreds. This sounds it's, amazing. It's a magical movie, and wow. he's very different in it. It's very kind of kooky, and um, but it's but but was but was but very much a sort of romantic lead. And then he does this movie, Sunshine. Have you ever seen his, not the not, not the, the sci-fi Bo- Doyle movie, but the it's like a Hungarian love story with Rachel Weisz, and it's it, and 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 it's not a great movie, but it is the same year as this, and in a very similar kind of character. And then it's after this he does Spider, and sort of moves into a bit more kind of charactery things as opposed to kind of leading man romantic leads. He made that transition almost flawlessly. Mm-hmm. Like he really did. So he went into that and then he did. Now he's doing things like Grand Budapest Hotel where right. <laughs> he's a total caricature, but it's wonderful. Totally. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, and yeah, I love that. I love seeing actors stretch their muscles yeah. and do different things. It was one of the things I always loved about Heath Ledger was yes. like, you never saw the same Heath Ledger totally. thing. It was always something different and, and really wonderful. Totally. And actors who are not afraid to... Uh, really put it out there. <laughs> kind of risk their, 
you know, because you have to maintain – working at that level in Hollywood, you maintain a certain reputation and right. people think, oh, this is a Heath Ledger movie. Let's get Heath Ledger. And if Heath Ledger changes so much, they don't always know what to do with him, which right. can be to their disadvantage, to an actor's disadvantage. But but the best are able to sort of uh, – and with with luck are able to kind of harness it into, into a lo- sort of more varied career. Right. Sort of like the opposite of Johnny Depp. Yes. Like, so right. Johnny Depp keeps doing an, an iteration of one character in one way or another. Right, right. On the far end, you have Hunter S. Thompson. Right. And then on the other end, you have sort of weird American. Right. But they're all, you know, like. Yeah. Has, they're all related. There's DNA yeah, in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Six degrees. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, let's start this conversation okay. by talking about how at the end of the affair came into your life. Like, when did you see it? And where, you know, where, where, where were you? So I was life? in college. And I, as I say, I was a huge English patient fan. Um, uh, and and all these other Ray Fiennes movies that I, you know, I sort of knew of them. And I, and I was a Neil Jordan fan, too. I was, um, at the time, sort of learning... Uh, I was sort of picking directors and going through all their movies and like yeah. educating myself and let's watch all of Kubrick. Let's watch all of... And Neil Jordan happened to be one because I really... Uh, um, the the um, Crying Game was... Kind of blew my mind when I saw it on VHS. You know, uh, Crying Game will lay you out, out, man. Like, yeah. It's a, a really emotional journey but is also very meticulous yes um, yes and 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 it's kind of sort of three genres at once and mm-hmm. it's just totally it's a really interesting kind of thing um and so i became kind of i became, was really interested in neil jordan and so there and, and julianne moore because boogie nights was very big for all of us in, in, and she's in, great in boogie nights and she's great in boogie nights so all of the things led to like this i have to see this movie this is mm-hmm. sort of you know um and it it this i I bawled at the end of this movie when I first saw it. It it hit me really deeply for whatever and in reasons that I can't fully remember, except that it's that kind of college twenty something like you know like it's it felt juicy and like this romance is dire and you know like <laughs> it really sort of it really sort of um it 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 I was very moved by it and was sort of surprised that not everybody else was because even in my sort of cohort of like filmy people. It wasn't like a poster everybody had on their wall, you know. Right. Yeah. But I listened to the soundtrack all the time and um, all through, sort of all through that period. Um, I, yeah. So this this really it really got to me. I had a similar experience because I even texted you after it was done, saying, "Well, I'm a mess now." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like I also got like it, it, I think I didn't know where it was going to go. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I knew very little about this film. I knew the title because I've always thought it was a great title. Yeah. Yeah. Like that is a wonderful title. Totally. And. So I I went into it expecting something, and within probably a half hour, I was like, this is not what I was expecting. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. First of all, the film's told out of order. Right. Which I wasn't expecting. And doesn't really announce that – uh, verbally, but it announces it visually fair. Like you begin to have some idea that like, oh, something's a little off, but you're not quite sure what it is. Exactly. Because right? at first you're going, wait, she left him? Yeah. Oh, this is out of time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And so that was like the, like the, the great storyteller mm. makes these just, it's a really interesting journey. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And part of that is how it's told out of order. And uh, there's a bunch of other stuff that I want to get to later. Yeah, yeah. But that is, I had a very similar experience. I was not prepared for what this movie did. Not mm-hmm. to say that it's like, it wasn't earth shattering. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. there's nothing about it that's like 2001 level. No. How did they do that no. at that time? It was just like, I was not prepared for that story to be told. <laughs> right. In and, this film. And I don't think I was prepared to care about these characters as much by the end as I, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't set out, the movie does not set out 
to make me like Ray Fiennes early on. <laughs> no. I mean, his first line is, this is a diary of hate. Yes. Like, it's not a pleasant kind of thing. And then as the, as the movie gets deeper and deeper and more and more complex, I find myself really caring about all of these characters. And and, and in that way, the, the emotions of it kind of sneaks up on me by the end of the movie. I think that's a very good way to put it because I think that happened to me as well. Mm-hmm. Because I thought at first, oh, okay, I know what this is going to be. Yeah. It's, it's told by an anti-hero, blah, <laughs> yeah, blah, yeah, blah, yeah. blah. And then, yeah, about midway through, you're like, oh, no, I care about him. Mm-hmm. I care about Stephen Ray's character. Mm-hmm. I care about Julianne Moore's character. Mm-hmm. And I care about Jason Isaac's totally. character. Right. All of these characters I care about. And none of them are, are as good or bad as they initially seem. Mm-hmm. And a lot of things that people do that you think are bad end up being like, oh, well, that was just a decision right. that had to be made. It wasn't. It, was, it wasn't right, really right. like this person was trying to hurt anyone right. necessarily, and they didn't even know how to deal with a lot of the things that were happening. Right. And I love that. Right. I love the the moment. Um, there's going to be spoilers in this, yeah, just so we're sure. clear, because yeah. there is a major <laughs> twist. Yes. To this movie, which you have I, to talk about to explain the movie. It's so true. Go watch the movie now, and then come back and pause. Finish the, yeah, 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 and then go watch the movie. But uh, it's free on Amazon Prime right now, and um, I recommend it if you like dramas. Like, yeah. and I do. I like a good drama. I don't like them all the time. Sure. But like, I I get sad at the fact that we don't get these in theaters much anymore. I like, I I would have loved. This is so sumptuous. Yes. Yes. Like, yes. it's so England, 1939. <laughs> yes, like, this yes. is amazing. Yeah. Um. And uh, you know, it's twenty. $23 million budget and it looks like it. It's a good looking yeah, movie. It's all there. Yes. Yeah. It's all there. It's not, and they're not spending money on catering. <laughs> like no. This is costumes and lighting and sets and, and special know. effects. Like and there's, effects, that, yeah. there's an explosion sequence that is <laughs> like harrowing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but the big twist that yeah. happens is, so you have Ray Fiennes mm-hmm. who starts to have an affair with his friend's wife. Mm-hmm. Um, and, they it isn't just a sexual affair mm-hmm. it is also these two people are in love with each other right but she also feels a sense of um it's not even duty it's a sense of i don't know place yeah and comradeship and um and friendship and friendship and, and, and normalcy and she cares about she does Stephen she does Ray. not she does not hate him no um and so and he Stephen Rhea Stephen Ray also understands the shortcomings of their marriage, right. but still deeply cares about her right. and cares about Ray Fiennes' character. Right, right. Like, so there's this, it's it's this triangle in the truest sense of a triangle. Normally a triangle is portrayed as two people vying for attention of right. one person. Right. That isn't what this is. It is three people who care about each other in a trying weird- Trying to navigate yeah, this. Yeah. Trying yeah. to navigate it. So they're having an affair. Right. And uh, the blitz is happening. Right. And there, it's a really wonderful setup for a movie. Right. <laughs> In a movie, like, they're having sex and the bombs are falling. Right. That's how they're able to – one of the ways they're able to, to do it in the middle of the day is, like, the bombs are falling, everybody else is in shelters, and they're, they can be together. Yeah. Because nobody's going to wonder, cover. where yeah. were you? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, a bomb goes off fairly close. And uh, what is his name? Uh, it's Maurice, but they say Morris. Morris, okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Morris, Ray Fines, Morris, yep. mm-hmm. goes downstairs into the apartment complex to see what's going on. Right. And she says, don't go. Right. Because it's probably still dangerous. And he's standing in front of a window. Like, okay, idiot. You, right. It's a bombs are going off. But he's standing in front of a window and a bomb goes off. Right. 
wonderful cinematography. The glass shatters around him. He's thrown down. No like, sound at first. You oh, feel yeah. the, the air sucking out of the... I mean, it's it's really beautiful. Oh, man. the glass is used... Oh, it's yeah. like masterful filmmaking. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he gets knocked down like two flights of stairs, cut up real bad, and she runs after him. And then... Well, we don't see that. No, you don't. You're right. He He falls down, covered in glass. Time passes. He wakes up. Yes. And then he goes upstairs... And she's kneeling at the right. bed, and you find out she was praying because she thought he was dead. Right. And then she just leaves. She's it's weird. Suddenly, it's very all very awkward between them, and yeah. like it's well, from her. He's like, well, "I'm I'm okay." And she's like, "I see that." And like, <laughs> it's not something is not right. Right. She feels very cold all of a sudden. Yeah. Something yeah. has happened right. other than just right. him nearly being killed. Right. Um. And then she pulls away from him, and right. that's sort of what sets off right. uh, the the story. But this is obviously in the middle of a story, so right. it's, it's crazy. <laughs> uh, Ray Fiennes hires a detective. Uh, well, initially, <laughs> Stephen Ray wants to hire a detective to figure out what's going on, where she is. And this is two years or a year after the affair has ended. Yes, right. The war's <laughs> over, and now Ray Fiennes runs into Stephen Ray, and Stephen Ray's like, "I think my wife's having an affair." And Ray Fiennes says, "Well, what are you going to do about it? Well, maybe I hire a private detective." Ray Fiennes says, "Let me do that for you. I'll take care." of this and then Stephen Ray's like no don't worry about yeah. it and then he's like fuck that I'm gonna go figure this out <laughs> yeah because I was in love and she just left and I do not know why right I don't know what happened and if she's and if she's in love with someone else then I'm gonna be really upset yeah yeah because he's a very jealous character totally. he says it very openly totally. he's jealous he just wants to be with her right um, and I appreciate the honesty yeah. Of, yeah. <laughs> of that he's not um abusive about it um, but he's very honest about the fact that he's like I'm jealous of the rain I'm right. jealous of this I'm yeah. jealous of that because it gets to be with you at all yeah. times yeah. And, you know which could be read as abusive especially in modern times and you know it's a little smothering for sure but, for sure uh, but, but she also in those moments when they're having that conversation in the in, when they're when they're when they're romantically involved that's all consensual all that stuff oh, is yeah. she is inviting it she is exchanging it she is and then then when they're apart it's him by himself telling us yep. not telling her right so he hires the private eye right. and uh there's a great mix up where the private eye ends up following him <laughs> and then he's like oh dear god i'm so sorry sir yep. but the private eye has a son with a big birthmark mm -hmm. on his face yep. uh which will come into play Later, and I don't want to get too into the weeds sure, here, sure, but sure. what happened is from from the other point from of view, from the other point of view, from Julianne Moore's right. point of view, after the explosion, she went down, and he was dead. Yeah, like she checked Could his not pulse. Revive him. She was. She tried CPR. Like she tried to, you know, right. she was she, him. trying what she knew how to do. Right, right. And then, thinking he was dead, went upstairs and prayed and made a deal with God. Right, basically. Yep. Uh, that if you bring him back, I'll never see him again. Please just bring him back. Right. And then he come, walks into the bedroom. Right. And she's like, oh my oh, God. shit. Because <laughs> he even says, well, what, are, what were you praying for? And she says, a miracle. Yeah. And then she's gone. And he's kind of making jokes. And now yeah. you understand why she's so cold. Yes. Because she now has this completely sort of divide, like she is beside herself, literally. She has, feels like she has caused this thing. Yes. And and not a woman of faith. She does not come into this as a, as a person who, who, is, who is particularly faithful. No. And then like, or particularly religious in any kind of way. And now has to sort of figure out what the hell to do. Right. And the, the thing is, you could leave it there. Like, I yeah. would be perfectly fine if you left it there. Right. right. But there's one more twist. <laughs> yep. That happens later where she has kissed the – she thinks the little boy mm -hmm. is like a vagrant mm -hmm. child 
And she's very nice to him and sweet to him and picks him up and just gives him a kiss on his birthmarked cheek. Mm -hmm. And then later, Ray Fiennes runs into the private eye and says, how's your son? Says, oh, he's great. He's right over there. And he turns around and the birthmark's gone. gone. So there's some supernatural (laughs) religious stuff going on in this movie that I was not expecting. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I, it's one of those movies that the the longer it went on, the more I sat forward. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and I, I wasn't expecting that. Because that's not true of The English Patient for me. Mm-hmm, like The English Patient, you sit back, you take it in. Oh, it's this really mm-hmm. hard relationship. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and... Speaking of abusive, there's some... Oh, yeah, you know, yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it really is. But this isn't like that. Yeah. It, it's it's a very different film. And I really encourage people to see it. It's, it's one hell of a movie, especially because yeah. you can watch it on Amazon Prime. Oh, right. my God. Right. But so you watched it again. I did. What was it like watching it this time as opposed to the first time? Does it still hold up for you or? So I had seen it enough that uh, when I was when I was in my 20s that by the by watching it now, probably 10 years since I saw it for the last time, I was I knew I knew more beats than I remembered. I knew right. more inflections like there's a, there's this movie does a lot of things that in my education, like filmmaking education since for seeing the movie. I realize are are things you're not supposed to do, quote unquote, right? Like oh, sure. it's got voiceover, it's got flashback, it's got wall to wall music. This Michael Nyman score, guy who did the score for the piano, <laughs> yeah. it's this lush wall to wall music, and it's and and so it, it sort of is violating a lot of sort of general kind of guidelines that way. So I noticed that stuff in a way that I didn't the first time I saw it, but it, but so much of that stuff still worked for me. I was I was surprised at how much of that was was all in service of telling the story and not sort of it didn't feel like a crutch necessarily. The, nothing about this film feels like a crutch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and the thing, the, you know, the thing that made me kind of the most sad, look, it, I don't think it's a perfect movie. I think there are, especially there's some, there are some sort of like how we get in and out of scenes. Not not when we're sort of moving back and forth in time, but just literally, you can sometimes feel the camera moving in a way that feels like it's not like there's a, tiny things. There's a scene where where um, Stephen Ray has set his hat on a table, and the hat's going to be important, but like the, sh- the the scene starts with the close up on the hat, and then pulls back to the two of them. Well, that's not that's only tangentially important to the scene and mm-hmm. it feels there's some misdirection that way that that feels a little less elegant than I think the movie is is supposed to um there's but, a lot of misdirection happening yeah in this film which is I think thoughtful yes yes uh, there's yes. a scene where Stephen Ray comes to knock on the he knocks on the door and they think it's to aha I've caught you yeah but really, it was because he was trying to deliver news. Yes, yes, yes. And he knew yeah. that they were in there. Right. And that, when you find that out, that's heartbreaking. Yes. Like, you, you none of these people are bad. None no, of these and, people. <laughs> and the way they resolve, quote unquote, resolve their triangle is, it's kind of breathtaking. I mean, it's. Yeah, we didn't talk about that. Yeah, yeah. The end of the movie is she is dying. Yeah. And Stephen Ray invites uh, Ray finds yeah. to live with them. Right. And like, well, I'm at work, you can stay with her and then you can take a break when I get home. Yeah. And then we, we, we both love her yeah. and she loves both of us. So this it way, gives me chills just I, to right? describe it. Yeah. It's like, it's so kind. So humane. At the and end. Yeah. Humane. Thank you. That's I, yeah. And I never really thought of Neil Jordan as a humanist mm-hmm. filmmaker. I mm-hmm. mean, he is mm-hmm. like, I think he, he is. He yeah. is. Yeah. Um, and I think that's one of the reasons interview with the vampire works is yes, because he's, right. he's very interested in the humanity of these characters and, and the plight they're in. Right. It's, it's elevated, right? right? Like it's, it's very theatrical. Sure. But yeah, I, I yeah. It, <laughs> so, is it mostly just 
the filmmaking part of it that's personal to you or is there more to it? I, you know, so a couple of things. The, the, the filmmaking is, I think, is, is so sophisticated and so the storytelling, I should say, right? Yeah. The combination of the way that the colors work and the light works and the, and the editing works and the, the way that, the, and Neil Jordan also wrote the script. Yeah. The way that the, the sort of um, structure of the story is told to us, the way that, you know, there, were, there was sort of a, there were a couple other movies in the 90s that did this kind of f- thing where you see the story from one point of view and then from another point of view. Yeah. It's a movie called Hillary and Jackie. It was about a, woman who's a cellist and her sister and like the first half is from one character's point of view and the second half from, from another character's point of view. The thing I like about this is that the movie is, is to me anyway, is satisfying up into the twist. So I don't need the twist. The twist right. is just, oh, I see a whole other point of view of what's going on and now I feel even more deeply for all of these characters. Because yeah. And, and as, as with so many of these sort of English-British things, like, if they just talk to one another, <laughs> like, <laughs> if she just said, I was just praying for you to be alive and here you are, like, at least, you know, they, they would have been able to sort of sort some of this stuff out. But in this, it, but, but I sort of, I, I do, um, for whatever reason, I find that kind of repressed Britishness very evocative and I find it very oh, yeah. moving of like people not saying to not hurt someone else not sort of speaking their truth in a way that if they did might risk hurting someone but also might sort of un, like untie the knot of the plot or whatever this is a big thing we don't talk about enough I think on Real Bad um, because we're on we're often picking on dialogue mm. and we're often picking on plot points as uh, this is a post-it note sol- you know you could solve this whole movie with a post-it note right 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 But one of the great things about screenwriting and directing and acting, like one of the great things about that is you have the opportunity for characters to say something without them saying it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now, some people don't use that very well, but sometimes people use it very well. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. the idea of like, that's one of the great things about directing is, you know, the line is, I'm going to the store. Right. That's the line. Right. But then- as a director, you have to ask the actor, okay, but what does that line really yeah, say? Yeah, yeah. What are you really saying? Yeah. Here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and that is the exciting part for me is one of the exciting parts about filmmaking is working with the actors and saying, what are you really saying yeah. to this person? Right. Because we do that in real life. Right, right. We, this is not something that was invented for film and theater. Right. This is something that we all do. We all, we all have those arguments where you end up saying, okay, I'm going to the store. And what you're really <laughs> saying with that is I don't have time to argue with <laughs> yeah, you. Yeah. I'm hungry. I'm going to go get food. Yeah. Or it's code for, you know, I'm going to have an affair. Right, right, right. You know, and it, it, it it's hard for us to be blunt. It's hard yeah. for us yeah. a lot of times. I think, you know, it's easier for some people and definitely as time has gone on, it's yeah. gotten easier. It's also, as you state, cultural. Right, right. Um, and that's still a thing in England. Like, sure. you know, <laughs> stiff, stiff upper, upper lip. lip. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, and I agree, though. I, I also really like that. There's something yeah. about that that I gravitate yeah. towards. Yeah. It's that. very sort of um, dramatically juicy. Yes. Um, I also like the sex in this movie. Um, oh, yeah. I appreciate it, especially at that time, even today, but seeing a, this sort of sexual relationship between these consenting adults who were growing to love each other. And like, yeah. it just, it was, it felt kind of, um, and it doesn't shy away from the sex, but it doesn't feel gratuitous. It doesn't feel me. exploitive. Or exploitative. Yeah. I mean, you see, if you, you know, if you're looking for shots of Rafe Fine's buns, you'll find some extended shots of Rafe Fine's buns in this movie. Man had a good butt. He did. He did. And probably still does. Who knows? Probably. Um, but, but there's, but there is a, uh, there's a frankness to it and a, and a poetry to it mm-hmm. that I, that I really admired. And then the other side of that is all, the, is the religious, aspects the spiritual aspects to it mm-hmm. so when i was in college i was a i was a 
basically a double major, English and religious studies. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I didn't write my religious, religious studies thesis, but I took all the classes, like, you know, four-person classes on, like, methodology. It was, it was a fascinating kind of education. And, and, um, and I was raised Catholic. Oh, okay. Um, and so all that stuff in this movie... I think triggered a lot of those things. Sure, like I was not was not I'm not a practicing Catholic, but was raised in that in that tradition and the idea that miracles are real mm-hmm. and that you know you you can like the the sort of physical world can be changed by the spiritual world. It's all seeded in there. It's all there, right? Yeah. So this tapped into all that in these kind of ways that I think when you add the, that the frankness and and poetry of the sex. Um, and that sort of the, the religious miracleness to the British kind of reservedness, like there, the, the movie seems to be postulating that because these people are holding all this stuff inside so much, it does things like kills her, yeah. and these miracles happen around them because they can't, you know, articulate themselves, right? So right. like all that energy spills out into the world you know, for good and for ill for for all these characters, and that sort of holistic view of the world. Um, just it really, really gets me. It reminded me as I was watching it uh, of I think it's a line from the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Mm. I think if I'm wrong about this, somebody tell me. But it is somebody asks God for something, and then the narrator says, "God, who is often in the position of giving people what they want instead of what they actually need," <laughs> and that's what I kept thinking of. Uh, is like uh, she requests this, and and God goes, "Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this let, let's complicate everything." And I so even on a different level mm. that. Uh, I am sort of the opposite. I was raised an atheist mm-hmm. um, by atheist parents, but I was raised in a very religious town, mm-hmm. a very small town uh, where everybody went to church on Sunday except yeah. me and my family. Like yeah. it was, so it was there was a, a, a there was a lot of that. But I've always been fascinated by specifically Christian um, mythology. Yeah, like the 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 iconography. I yeah. guess is a better word. Say I've always been fascinated by it, and this taps into that mm. too. Mm, yeah, but I love that it's never seen. Yeah. Like it doesn't go overboard. You don't get a giant angel, you know, <laughs> yeah. on a, a floating. In yeah, the, yeah, like yeah, there's yeah. none of that, yeah. and and I find that more powerful. Yeah. So it's interesting. We came from two very opposite yeah. backgrounds, but both getting sort of hooked by that. Yeah, interesting element in yeah. different ways. Yeah. Um, and I love it because in film, I'm okay with anything happening. Sure. Like I, I will believe anything as long as it's well told. And it was so well told that when that happened and when you realize what happened, you're yeah. like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. And then when you see the kid with no birthmark at the end, I was just like, what? Yeah. yeah. It's real? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Because you figure, well, he might have been dead or maybe he was just sure. really seriously unconscious right. and hurt. And then and he, she's and she is in, in some heightened state because she thinks he might be dead and so is not going to be as thorough as you might be in sort of figuring out if he's dead or he may be. She's in not a, a nurse. Right, 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 <laughs> right. So, so there are all kinds of explanations. Yeah. But when that final twist yeah. happens, you're going, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. there yeah. is something really r- supernatural happening right. in this movie that I thought was not supernatural. Right. right. But it doesn't take away from the movie. And I agree with you that you don't need it. Yeah. It just adds a different perspective right. and right. makes it so much more full. Yeah, yeah. I think totally. there's a lot happening in this movie yeah. with a very simple plot. Right, right. And that is like my favorite thing. Right. Um, I think now, too, there's a difference. Like, I, I think simple plots were a lot more normal mm-hmm. <laughs> um, up until the, the late 90s, mm-hmm. early mm-hmm. 2000s. And especially now with Marvel and everything, I feel like we're, they're specifically trying to make complicated right. Right. plots. And right. complicated plots can be great. I'm Absolutely. not saying they're bad, but it, not everything has to be complicated. Right. When I was on Snark Squad 
uh, talking about Near Dark, one of the things all three of us loved about it is like, this is a simple story. Yeah, yeah. And it's about vampires, but we don't really go into the lore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we just, just, yeah. Like, this is a story. It just is. It just is. <laughs> yeah. And there's not a lot of there there, but what is there right. is really powerful. There's more going on in The End of the Affair. I'm not saying that. But, but yeah, really powerful story, simply told, right, beautifully, right. elegantly told. Right. Neil Jordan, that was one thing I noticed, too, is like, man, he's doing work with the camera. Yeah, he's yeah. thinking about the camera and thinking about how he gets from one scene to the next. Right. And there are scenes that you see, since we're, talk- we're it's a movie of multiple perspectives, we're seeing the same scenes sometimes more than once. And he shoots them differently depending on whose point of view we are in each of those scenes in a way that is, especially for a young filmmaker, was very exciting to see how you make those things different. Yeah. Right? Like how, how the change in point of view changes how you direct the scene. Yeah. Absolutely. Which is really cool. And that's a thing that we talk about. We talk about it with editing. We talk about it with screenwriting. We talk about it with with We've talked about it on this podcast. We have many times. Like it's so important. And when you see it, it's also like, I think a lot of people, I know, especially when I first started, you think a point of view is something very blatant. Right. And like overt to the audience, but it's very subtle in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yet it works so well. I think Neil Jordan came from theater. Theater and novels. He wrote, also wrote novels before. Oh, wow. He was, I didn't uh, know that he wrote novels. Yeah, well, now I want to yeah. read a novel. <laughs> yeah. Um, but he, uh, it's very evident as you go through that he works with actors. Yes. Yes. And, yes. and a lot of that is also perspective. Like, what do you want from this? Right. Exactly. You know? and, and that's what makes this so, as you've, as you've alluded to, the, the power of having so many different characters whose point of view feels so full in this movie even if we're not always with them in the scene it feels like they know what they're after yeah right and and i think that's one of the reasons when uh julianne moore's character leaves you want more answers it's not because you feel like she just (laughs) is like over this you're like no something happened yeah something what happened let me in which is what ray finds is feeling too in that moment it's perfect. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. this is exactly what you want. Right. Uh, and so I, that's just great. Yeah. So the other thing then, then uh, that this movie inspired for me in 99 is that I went on a Graham Greene kick. I was like, because I love this and I love the, the third man. Love the third man. Movie I discovered at that time period and fell in love with it. I'm like, this. these are both based on works by the same person. Like who? So I read- 70 years apart. Yes. <laughs> so I read The End of the Affair first and it is a beautiful book. It is, it is. So, and as, as I had said earlier, it was semi-autobiographical about a love affair that he had had. Oh, um, right. Yeah. And and so he, and I don't think the the, the particulars of- I don't think she died. I don't know. I don't remember the exact particulars, but it was very sort of torturous for him. So he's working out on the page, his point of view and her point of view and all the other possible reasons that things might've ended. Right. And it's, and, and you, and you really feel a person sort of wrestling with that. So then, I, and I read the quiet American, I began, you know, sort of moving through a bunch of Graham Greene. I still, I still love, I still love Graham Greene. The other thing <laughs> that this movie kind of inspired in me is that learn. So then I began to read about Graham Greene. So Graham Greene wrote, um, mostly novels, but also criticism and movies. And I think he wrote a play. Like he wrote all kinds of stuff. All and in the time. this movie, they go to see one of his movies. Right. In the movie. Right. Right. Yeah. right. Yeah, they're going to see, right. A movie that Morris in the movie has based on one of his books and he can't, you know, it's one of the things where you expect them the date they cut to them in the movie theater and them to be like, you know, the, the movie having some resonance with their life, but he's like dying because he's like, <laughs> I didn't write this part. I didn't write this part. It's, it's wonderfully, it's wonderfully done. Um, so his method was to write 500 words a day 
and then stop wherever he was. Hmm. 500 words, and he, would, he had some kind of method to, to count the words, stop every day, and, and five days a week, write 500 words. If it got done in an hour, great. If it took him eight hours, he wrote for eight hours, whatever it was to get those. And he wrote this book like on vacation on a boat with a, like he would go sit in the corner at 6 a.m. with his little notebook and fountain pen and write 500 words and then stop. But there's, there's yeah. something about sort of out of that workmanlike, very British, you know, like punch the clock thing came this beautifully emotional story of such turmoil and eventually love and humanity. And um, I, found, I find the whole thing uh, inspiring. So I'm really glad I, we got the chance to do this because it allowed me to go back and remember all that stuff yeah. and sort of tap back into that. Yeah. No, it's a, I was really, thank you for sharing it because like I would never have watched this movie <laughs> otherwise. And it's a really great thing. And I, uh, something that I um, did want to ask is like, I think 99 was a huge year yeah. for uh, cinema and for a lot of cinema being turned on its head. Um, that being said, like I've never been a fan of American beauty, but like that was the big film of very similar in scale. Mm-hmm. Both mm-hmm. of these films, uh, this was a little bit more expensive, but you understand why, because a lot more locations and costumes and right, stuff like right. that, that you had to build. Right. Um, but you also had The Sixth Sense, you right. had Fight Club, you Election, had- Election, Matrix, like- Oh, really? yeah, just so much <laughs> happening yeah. uh, that I kind of understand why it got a little bit buried. It's yeah. a very uh, quiet film. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it, it did get, it got a few Oscar nominations. It won um, like a BAFTA, I think, for screenplay. Julianne Moore got a lot of uh, awards nominations for it. Oh, she's she, so good. She may have won a Golden Globe even. I'm not- I looked it up, but now I can't remember. I don't um, remember. I guess she was probably up against Annette Bening. Um, and Annette Bening was also wonderful in American Beauty. But uh, I can't help it. Julianne Moore is one of my very favorite actors. Yeah. Like, I just will watch anything, even if it's crap. Right. And she had a period of, like, Nicolas Cage just doing crap. For sure. And I don't I don't know why. She just maybe says, this sounds interesting, so I'm going to do it. Uh, but I still love her. She seems game. For, she for does. Like a 30 Rock, she comes on 30 Rock and throws on this crazy Boston accent and like <laughs> she'll she'll try things. She right? does Which and is, I love that. Yeah, I yeah, absolutely yeah. love that. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I think it's wonderful. I was also like, I don't like the movie Hannibal, but yeah. I like her take on Clarice Starling. Mm-hmm. Like I was, I was sad that Jodie Foster didn't return, but I was like, oh, Julianne Moore. And then I was really happy with it. I thought she would have been a perfect replacement in uh in a different in a different version of iteration yeah. of that mm-hmm. well i don't even think the story is that good oh, right. quite frankly a different sequel <laughs> yeah a different sequel <laughs> not that we even need a sequel but that's a we didn't yeah. um yeah. I, you know I, I think i i understand why thomas harris wrote sequel <laughs> yeah. it's like i get it i would too yeah but at the same time i wasn't a fan of any of those yeah. there are elements to all of them that i think are interesting but yeah this is not about Hannibal. Not about Hannibal. Yeah. Not about Thomas Harris's <laughs> uh, really big collection of Hannibal books. Um, okay, well, thank you again for that. Uh, let's yes. move on. Yes, I'm excited. We uh, The film that I gave to you is what I will classify as possibly my favorite film. Oh, great. Which is weird. Yeah. And, I, and I watched it, watching it again, I'm going, is this my favorite film? Huh. I think it is. Oh, great. I don't think it's the best film yeah, yeah. ever made, but I think it might be my favorite film. I love film. that. I love that. Okay. Okay. I <laughs> um, love that. So the film that I picked is called Vanishing Point. Yeah. It comes out in 1971. Really low budget. 1.5 million. Um, so, and they only had, I think they had an initial budget of a million. And then when they were done, they realized they needed about $500,000 worth of sound design. 
Oh, yeah, um, which you do. You do, and yeah. it shows. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. sound design in this movie is really good. <laughs> I thought you were going to say they had they had wrecked so many cars they needed to. No. Uh, so this, let's talk about what this movie yeah, is. Okay, yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. So Vanishing Point is a story of Kowalski, a driver, and his whole job is to drive cars from point A to point B across the United States. Uh, he rolls into, I think it's Denver. Yeah, Col- Colorado. Colorado. It's Colorado. Yeah. I don't yeah. know why I can't remember whether it's Denver, Boulder, or what. I think it's. I think Denver. I think it's Denver. Let's say Denver. Uh, he rolls in, having delivered a car. It's almost midnight. Shop owner is like, "Hey, why don't you stay with me and my wife? You've been on the road for twelve hours. Yeah, and, relax, man." Put and your he's feet up. like, "And this is like the opening scene. Like yeah. this, is, this is right at the beginning." And he splashes water on his face. He's like, "Nope, gotta go. Give me another yeah. car. Gotta go. Gotta go." And yeah. he's like, "All right, well, this white Challenger needs to get to." San Francisco. Cali- San Francisco. Yeah. Got to get to California. And, and he's like, all right, I'm, I'm off. And he's like, are you kidding me? <laughs> like, you're going to die. <laughs> yeah. But he just does. He takes off and then he stops to meet his drug dealer, mm-hmm. uh, and, who seems like a really nice guy. Yeah, really nice. Yeah. Uh, and makes a bet with him that he can get the Dodge Challenger to San Francisco in two days. Right. And he says, all right, uh, if I can't do it, I'll pay you double for your next shipment of speed or right. whatever. It's, right. You know, whatever it's going to be. And he's like, yeah. all right, you're on. Yeah. And he sets off. And uh, the next scene, it's daytime. He's speeding. Cop goes to pull him over. He doesn't stop. Yeah. That's the rest of the movie. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Is yeah. him trying to get to San Francisco. Right. There's no exposition really about why he's doing what he's doing. There's a couple flashbacks mm-hmm. that lead that tell you little bits mm-hmm. about his life, which P- we'll talk about it together. Yeah. Um, yep. And uh, again, spoilers. Um, he gets the, the each state he goes through the escalation of police trying to stop him. Right grows and while he's at it he also develops this weird relationship with a disc jockey played by the great late great Cleavon Little who most of you will know from uh, Blazing Saddles Mm -hmm. uh, who's wonderful in both films yeah Um, yeah. plus a blind disc blind disc jockey jockey. super soul yeah 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 uh, and is just giving it yeah I mean like he is really ratcheting it it's great yeah um and there and is he, some and he is kind of giving him hints about he's got a police scanner. Yes. He's not supposed to have. So he's like guiding or, you know, like like um not really guiding, but like giving him heads up over the radio. Like yes. you know. And, and it's like, a one way. Yeah, like, right, right, right. Yeah. There's over, no, like literal radio. Like yeah. <laughs> he's just a disc jockey giving him a heads up. Yeah. And yeah. um eventually Kowalski gets across the California border and they set up a roadblock. Kowalski stops for a second in a junkyard. Uh, or it's not even a junkyard. It's just like they're old relics of cars. Derelict in the desert kind of derelict Which is a theme uh, in this film. And he stops, gets out, looks around, gets back in the car. They have bulldozers set up to stop him. Yeah. Uh, Music's playing. Everything feels triumphant. And he just crashes headfirst straight into into the bulldozers. Fiery explosion credits. Right, right, right. (laughs) And that is the end of the film. Right. And... uh, yeah. Yeah. So, so okay. The, I this you'd this, never this seen is, this. I'd never seen this before. This seems like a movie you should have seen. Very much so, in all <laughs> kinds of ways. And a movie I was very aware of. Uh, bef- I have to thank you for um, completing the circle for me on the Limey, a movie that we both love so much. Uh-huh. And I knew that. <laughs> so Barry Newman, who plays Kowalski in this movie, has a has a very important part that involves a car chase. Yes. In the Limey, and and that movie's full, as I've said on this podcast before, of actors and themes from the sixties and seventies, and um, and and so I knew that he was in this movie. But like now, I now I really get it. Now right. I kind of. 
understand yeah. the joke. So to, to start with, thank you for uh, for 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 um, filling that in that gap in for me. And see, it's interesting too. The Limey is one of your very favorite films. Yes. Yeah. It doesn't seem like a favorite film, you know. Yeah, like yeah, when yeah. you talk to people about favorite films, you you get Star Wars, right. you get, you know, the two thousand one stuff like that. But the, the Limey, yeah. I feel like is very similar to Vanishing Point in that. I think For sure. I will say I think the Limey is a much better made film, but also it's coming on the heels of like Soder it's building on all of this on all these movies from the sixties and seventies too, right? So is. the experiments that are going on in Vanishing Point, Soderbergh is then like, oh, what if we tried this? Right, right. So. It's it's it stands on the shoulders, but I feel like they're very similar. Hundred percent. Yeah. So when did you first see Vanishing Point? So I saw Vanishing Point. I I saw the end of Vanishing Point as I don't know. I was I saw it on television. Yeah. Okay. And I was probably like seven. <laughs> like I was very young, and I remember like oh a car chase movie. Yeah. I love cars. Yeah. And so yeehaw was, exactly. Right? Yeah, and then yeah. boom, and I went. What the hell <laughs> yeah. happened? And then my father said something very sad about, I don't even remember. Mm. I just remember him saying something about like, he said, I, I, I'm misquoting my father here probably, but yeah. I remember at the time feeling like he said, yeah, he's dead, but he won. Huh, huh. And I remember having to yeah, process you, yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was like, what? And so then at some point I rented it from, our video store when we owned it. So I would have been more like 10 or 11. Yeah. And I watched it and I just remember thinking, this movie's weird. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't really revisit it until I was in my twenties. Okay. Okay. And at that point, um, I think I revisited it because I really liked death proof, um, Mm. which is the Quentin Tarantino Mm -hmm. half of Grindhouse, Mm -hmm. uh, which is, I, it's still, Probably my favorite Tarantino film, mm. actually. Didn't used to be, but it is now. And I was like, I want to see Vanishing Point again, because they're talking about it. And then I rewatched it, and I had, I don't know if matured enough is the right word, uh-huh, but uh-huh. I had gotten to a point where I started to pick things up in it that, whether or not they were intentional, yeah, I started to feel like, oh, ah, this movie feels like me. Ah, uh, interesting. I get it. I get kind of get where Kowalski's coming uh-huh, from. Uh-huh. And we can talk about Kowalski in a yeah, little bit because yeah, I think sure. there's a lot to dissect there. Yeah. I don't think he is a good person yeah. necessarily. <laughs> I, I think it's debatable. I think we can... I, I think, think he does things that are... that could have gotten people killed. Yes. And, okay, tr- yes, true. true. And there is yeah. one point in particular where someone should have gotten killed mm-hmm, and doesn't mm-hmm. and it feels like a bit of a movie. Hey, yeah, he's fine. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, so I saw it then and then I've kind of watched it a lot since then, I typically watch it once a year. Yeah. No no date. I just been like, I'm in a vanishing yeah. point mood. Right. Like it builds and you're like, now I got to watch this movie. Again. Yeah. And yeah. I think this, it's, I don't think it's always good, but it is sometimes good to be reminded that the way you feel is not alien <laughs> and you're sure. not alone. Sure. And this is one of those films that reflects a lot of my feelings, specifically about the United States, sure. but about societies in general. Sure. I get Kowalski. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But again, this is my interpretation of Kowalski. Yeah. And I'm very aware of that. This yeah. is uh, there's a, the movie's giving me things, but I'm also putting a lot back. Yeah, right. Onto this. It, it, the movie withholds a lot, right? Like intentionally, yeah. You know, and and invites us then to sort of lean into it and read it, right? This is yeah. a movie that, that that asks to be read, that asks for your engagement a little bit more to fully kind of, to, to piece it together. And that, that's so satisfying to me to have a movie that is that is um, smart about what it withholds. So you're like, oh, I'm going to, I get to 
be part of this story, you know, <laughs> right. and fill in the, the stuff. I think they give you enough um, footholds and the, the, the flashbacks as well as some other things that happen in the in the contemporary story of the movie to point – to nudge you in a direction. Yes. And, and then beyond that, you're allowed to kind of like embroider it as you will, right, to like understand it. So that makes, that makes a lot of sense that you're sort of it, – it feels very kind of um, – uh, and very timely too. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot – like so this movie came out in 1971. Yeah. Um, and the 1960s were a really interesting time yeah. in the United States. Um, there was some good stuff happening, but at the expense of a lot of bad things right. happening. You had the civil rights movement, which was going, and a lot of people were getting hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, but God damn it, they fought right. for it, right. you know? Uh, and so there was a lot of uh, dissonance yep. there. Yep. We had the assassination of JFK. JFK... Might have been involved in some really shady shit. I don't, I'm not a presidential scholar, right, right. but I'm pretty sure that he was. <laughs> I think there was a lot going on there. He was not a perfect person, but I, I am aware that young people saw him right. in a light at that time right. as kind of hopeful mm-hmm. and change. Mm-hmm. And then to have that taken away right. was a big disillusion, big thing. Martin Luther King, right. very similar. Right. Um, and not that I think he was involved in shady shit, but like he, but having a lot of people look to that person right, and right. and seeing a, a them, symbol of so much, yes. of so much of so much hope and 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 it's one way or another progress. And then Bobby Kennedy, right? You know, all very. I think Bobby Kennedy was in uh, with a few months. It's real, real close. Um, yeah. And uh, the war in Vietnam is escalating like right. crazy right. in the late massive disillusionment right. happening, um, and it's. And there's this – I worry now currently about this divide in our country. Mm-hmm. I really do. There was a divide in this country in the 60s mm-hmm. as well. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I wasn't in it. Right. I, I don't know. I can only listen to like my father and my mother talk about it right. and then read articles about it. But I wasn't there. Right. So I don't know how it felt. Right. I think the internet magnifies things in certain ways. For sure. And I do worry about it. I worry about this divide in our country. But I also do realize that – um, there was a divide then too. And I think a lot of people by the end of the 1960s had lost a lot of hope. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and that's what this movie feels like. Right, right. The death of the promise of the uh, hope and love and you know, free love, the sort of, you know, the promise of the post 50s, 60s, right? Yes. Where it's like, we're, 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 we're not going to conform to our sort of these, these predetermined sort of um, gender and relationship and all and, 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 and how we deal with, you know, drugs and sex and race and all of this, all, all the kinds of issues of equality are, so, are up for grabs and it all feels very hopeful. And then you're right, all, in 1968, all begins to sort of crumble on itself and the backlash to it is Nixon, Nixon is, you know, is, is elected and we know where that all leads and that, that stuff's yeah. all sort of, um, you know, they talk about in, because I did watch the, one of the making ofs of mm-hmm. the movie because uh, I just, I had to know like what they're, <laughs> right? And they do talk about the, this him being sort of the death of the counterculture, right? Yeah. Like of, the, of a pure, there's some kind of purity of the uh, counterculture, right? That like the ideals, I should say, yeah. of the counterculture, and and I you really feel that in the movie, like you get a kind of sort of cross section of how all of these different, um, you know, uh, various events that we can talk about, how all that sort of cross section of America falling yeah. apart. Yeah, and where does it take place? It takes place in the desert, right. and everyone that we focus on in in everyone that Kowalski comes across, yeah. is trying to escape. 
Yes, right. And trying to get away, right? And 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 that's you know <laughs> with varying degrees of success through through right like the guy the the near the end the guy with the on the little who has the siren at the oh, end, yeah. right? And his girlfriend, I guess, who rides the motorcycle naked around. And like yeah. they've sort of had their own little like spot in the desert. It feels like, right? yeah, like they're trying to escape by sort of making their own community in, in some way. Same with the religious community that we we see is the same kind of thing, right? Yeah, that the rattlesnake guy goes to. And, well, and the rattlesnake guy, uh, the the prospector. I think yeah. is his character name okay. but he even tells kowalski like no no you got it all wrong you know what the the, the trick is you got to just burrow yeah, straight yeah, down yeah you yeah. got to burrow straight down and then they'll never they'll never find right, you right right and his character is this real enigma yeah. like where where did he come from <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah how long has he been out here yeah you know and yeah. but you get the sense that like Nobody wants to hurt anyone, yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, there is one part we can talk about, which I would be one of those things that has not held up well. But generally, like most of the people he encounters are just trying to get away. Yeah, yeah. And trying to just like, would you just leave me alone? Yeah. And the flashbacks that he has yeah. play into that. He's tried. We get these flashbacks. I think the most potent of them is he was a cop mm-hmm. right. um, which is kind of a shock comes in the middle of the oh, movie yeah. right like this is a surprise like is that really him because he's is real tight shots like in the in the rearview mirror at first and you see the badge and then it's him and you're like well and ha- his hair yeah hair's diff- so different he's and- got real big hair in the modern you know right. in the in in present time yeah, he's got yeah. real big hair and then you know he's a cop he's got it all cut down yeah, real yeah. nice and neat yeah and you're like wait it yeah that's kowalski yeah, yeah. and his partner is threatening this woman in the back seat with rape, basically, yeah, if she yeah. doesn't give up her, or even if she does give right. up her drug connections. Right, right. And Kowalski looks like a rookie um, at the time yeah. and doesn't quite know what to do, but then eventually he just jumps in and torques the guy's arm and tells her to run. Right. Um, and then I think he quits the force eventually, disillusioned, uh, tries to be a race car driver. Right. That doesn't work out. Disillusion. Right. Tries to be a motorcycle driver. That doesn't work out. Disillusion. Right. Goes to war in Vietnam. And by disillusion, we mean like they end up in crashes. Yes. <laughs> like, like, you know, we see a lot of cars and motorcycles and they just get like, because it's real real footage, I assume, yes. of like actual races and crashes. And, and then they would shoot the stuff with Barry. With him. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. Later in a matching suit. Right. You know? Which worked well. I it thought. did. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Especially if you're not looking for it. Right. Right. Um, and uh, he goes to war. And there's a, I I love the simplicity of the dialogue in this Mm -hmm. sequence where he's talking to, we assume someone he loves, uh, this woman who's a surfer Mm -hmm. and she talks about the scar he has Mm -hmm. where she just says, I love this scar. And she says, but you hate it. And he's like, I don't hate it. I just hate what it means. And that's it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's the conversation. Yeah. yeah. And, but you get it. Like he is disillusioned with everything. Yeah. Um, and he's trying, like he is trying to make it work mm-hmm. and, and trying to do it. And then she goes out for one more surf and is lost. Right. Doesn't know. She just disappears. The surfboard just sort of floats in the, in the yeah. surf at the end of that scene. You're like, wow. Yeah. Um, and, and like all of these moments sort of build to the fact when he just sort of says, nope, this is what I'm going to do. Yeah. I'm going to get this to San Francisco in right. two days. That's what I'm going to do. Right. I don't care. Right. <laughs> you get, I have the sense in the movie by the end of it that he's he would keep driving cars back and forth, back and forth, back and forth until he died. Yes. Like it's he's he's it's not really a death wish as much as it is. It's the only thing he knows how to do that gives him any all any sense of sort of of escape of freedom in some way. And like. He can't stop because it's yeah. it's it's all he's got. Yeah, I agree one hundred percent. So yeah, and so that's how it works out to be real personal for yeah. me. Is like yeah. I 
I'm not that uh, I would say broken uh-huh. as as he is, but I do have those bouts of just being like, what's a fucking point yeah, anymore? Yeah. <laughs> sure, sure. I thought we had this figured out. Right, is right. a lot of what I spend my time saying. Like I thought, right. I, thought <laughs> I thought we settled this. I thought, I th- thought we had an yeah. agreement about this. We're gonna have to do that again. Yeah, I'm yeah. so tired. You know, and I uh, and I, you know, and, and a little bit of that is flippant. You know, and, sure, I, and sure. I, I admit to that. Sure. But it's something I identify with this film. It's yeah. also, I want to say this, this movie's also awesome. Yeah. Like the <laughs> yeah. Dodge Challenger in this movie is awesome. Barry Newman is awesome. And like the whole thing. Soundtrack is great. Soundtrack is yeah. great. Yeah. The, the, the three or four car chases are really cool. Yeah. And, and the, very specific. Very, very, each is distinct in a way. Like yeah. they have really thought about how to shoot this stuff, how to, how to make us feel. There's one part where um, he, Kowalski's driving in the desert and, and he has to put, he puts on his sunglasses, yeah. which are iconic. Oh yeah. Uh, and those aviators, man. Also in the limey, he wears these in the limey, <laughs> but, and the camera's doing this odd kind of shake thing as, yeah. and, and, and it's sort of, it's just so puts us in his point of view. We've talked mm-hmm. about a lot today. Yeah. Um, and, and in, in ways that, again, it's not a point of view in terms of plot. It's point of view in terms of, it's not even really emotional. It's like psychic. It's like yeah. psychic point of view, the point of view of his psyche in that moment, which is kind of, was kind of electrifying. Well, I want to ask you then. So you've never seen it. Never seen it. What was your take on it? I mean, um, did you enjoy it? I, I really did. Okay. I really did. So the, I, um, I, I was, I was afraid that Toby was going to be like, like you like this? No, like, I, 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 because I also like a simple story. I also like a, a, a movie that's grappling with its time as it's happening. Oh yeah. And it's one of the neat things that this movie feels like it doesn't have the answers because there are no answers. There are no answers. And so it's like, well, I don't know what what's what, it. It feels so born of its moment. That's yes. very exciting. Yeah, I right? agree. With, I never really. I mean, I intellectually I'd known that, but yeah. like I never put that into words. It is so born from its moment, right? In a way that feels very authentic. Doesn't feel like I'm going to try and bottle this moment. It's like they're trying to work out what's going on. Well, if you listen to the commentary. They don't talk about the time too much. They just talk about trying to make the movie. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, and and yeah, yeah. so really it is, it's capturing the zeitgeist. Like yeah. this is what was going through everybody's mind. And, yeah. and insofar as they don't intentionally think, well, I wanted to make a movie about the counterculture. Because <laughs> right. if you try, you will fail, yeah. right? I mean, that's <laughs> yep. the thing. Yep. Make a movie about the moment and it doesn't work. <laughs> yep. Right? But tell a story that like is infused with what's going on in the moment and you'll that that thing will more often than not last in a way that I think this movie really does. I am surprised to me how well it holds up. Yeah. Um there is a moment of sort of gay panic that yes. I don't care for. Yes. Um that those there he picks up two hitchhikers who are very obviously like so very over kind the of flamboyant yeah, kind of pantomime yeah. gay. Uh one of them is a really uh, good character actor who was on Mork and Mindy for years, oh. <laughs> um, and uh, but he, they have a just married sign on the back of their of their truck that's broken down. Right? Yeah, so like it's it's and they're headed to San Francisco. They're excited he's going to San Francisco. It's all the signposts of kind of yeah. Um, and then they turn out to just be like kind of carjacking him. Right. Um, and it it's interesting because Kowalski isn't judging them. Right. Right. But the movie is. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and that bothers me yeah. and it doesn't need to be there. Right. Uh, the, the scene needs to be there plot wise, but it doesn't need to be a gay couple. Right. It could right. just be a couple people he picked up. Right. Um, hitchhiking. Right. And so that's the only thing that I feel hasn't really held up. Yeah. Um, and I would like edit around it if I could. <laughs> um, but by that same token, everything else to me, 
like I don't want it to be something that looks like it was shot in 2017. Yeah. I, I I appreciate the what it looks like. It looks like a film shot in actually I I keep I'm always surprising myself that it was shot in 70 in 70. Like uh-huh, uh-huh. it looks like something I would have pegged as like 75, yeah, 78, yeah, yeah. which is why it feels like a precursor filmically of a lot of things that are to come. Yeah. Right? And it, it is. Right. And it is. <laughs> so this gets to another question that I have, which is that do you are are you drawn to other sort of existential road movies or is or is is it just is it this? Mostly this. Yeah. But I do. I do like it if they're fairly simple and not not full of themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's capital a, E existential. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Um, so this is the big one, and I think it's because it marries so many elements mm-hmm. that, that, like, I love cars. You yeah. know, <laughs> I mean, it's a direct line to your the last real good that I talked to you about. Oh, Road, Road Warrior. Warrior. Yeah, very simple and very <laughs> and and also very nihilistic. Yeah. you know, and uh, a brutal. Um, film. Yeah, I would say that Road Warrior's got a happier ending, <laughs> which uh, is great, which is just amazing when you <laughs> yeah. think about. It. Uh, but yeah, I, I you know road movies. I, I don't think I uh, attach to them like a genre. Uh-huh. I don't look at them and go, "Oh, that's a road movie. I'm going to like it." Like, I, which is weird because I probably like more of those than I like heist movies. Uh-huh. But I say that I love heist movies. Yeah, interesting. When yeah. in fact, I really like one or two heist movies. <laughs> yeah, like Ocean's Eleven. And I like the yeah. idea of a heist movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, so, yeah, I, 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 I'm also the closest I'll get to a genre purist mm-hmm. is like science fiction. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I will watch anything that's science fiction, whether it's good or bad. Yeah. Like I like the genre. Yeah, and I like the staples of the genre. Yeah, I don't think road movies is much. Yeah. Um, but there are a couple that like nobody else liked that I like. I kind of yeah. like. There's a Charlie Sheen movie called The Chase. Oh sure, yeah. I like that movie a yeah. lot. I don't think it's great, but I do yeah. like it. Christy Swanson, yeah. I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, really neat idea. We rented watched... that probably at the same time. Yeah. We probably did. <laughs> and uh, then there was another one called I want to say it had Cameron from Ferris Bueller's Day Off called um, Three for the Road. Oh, I don't when know I was that. a kid, and I think it was. I can't even remember it now, but I remember renting it over and over uh-huh. and over uh-huh. again. Yeah, and I yeah. just liked it. it. Was sort of a comedy road trip. Yeah kidnapping movie yeah, um, yeah and so i think there are elements there but i yeah. think vanishing point is definitely in its own league yeah, yeah. for me you, you know you think about um easy rider which is a few years before you think about T- uh tulane blacktop mm-hmm. um the monty hellman movie um i had to look up some because i knew there were others um the getaway the uh Steve McQueen version? Not the, the Alec Baldwin version? <laughs> yeah. uh, I actually quite like The Getaway with Steve McQueen. Too. Yeah. yeah, I do too. Um, uh, actually, the, my favorite part yeah. of From Dust Till Dawn yeah. is the road trip getaway yeah, part yeah. of it. Once they get to the vampires, I'm out. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. yeah, this is stupid. I totally agree. Yeah. I totally agree. <laughs> that yeah. first part, though, where they're out in the desert with these two criminals and one of them is not well, yeah, yeah. I am on board for that. Yeah. Like, that's exciting to me. So maybe I do like a sort of a pure road movie yeah. more than I think I do. Yeah. But existential, I love Apocalypse Now. Right. Which right. in a weird way is kind of a road movie. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, for sure. It just happens to be on a river. And it's existential as <laughs> yeah. hell. Like yeah. it is that is a wildly existential yeah. film. So I do like That's that. I like being able to see characters who think about what's going on. Yeah. Um, this this now that you mention that Kowalski shares a lot in common with is it Willard? Is that the yeah, name? Willard. With Willard. Like there is a they're both ruminating over stuff yes. that we can't see. Nope. <laughs> right? And that, that's there's something very kind of affecting about that. And I love that. Yeah. And it's funny because a lot of my short films when I was in grad school yeah. had a lot of that, but I didn't have the nuance mm-hmm. 
to do it well enough that it didn't feel like there was just empty space. It takes an actor. Yeah, I, that, I, I, I don't. I don't. I've not seen your movies. I don't know the actors you're working with, but it takes both a director and an actor. Yeah. Who, who there's who have a level of craft and you know like life experience to right. sort of do that. But I was trying. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's yeah. my yeah. point. Like right. I was, I was trying to do that. Right. And if I did something now, I, there would be an element of that in it as yeah. well. Like yeah. you know, I also just love the idea of you're not going to get all the answers. Yeah. You have ideas. And then you get to fill in some of the blanks yourself. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, you have to be careful with that because people can fill in some really upsetting blanks. Sure, sure. <laughs> with right. stuff. Right. Um, but I feel like this movie, without filling in everything, it feels clear to me. Yeah, yeah. What's happening. Yeah. You know? Yeah, for sure. So so do, you've talked a little bit about how, um, you know, you the movie feels as relevant today as it did perhaps in 71 or at least when you saw it in terms of sort of echoes of you know like the world right now oh did, yeah did you did you so have you seen it in the last three years Is this, oh i've seen it i okay, watch so it. you do watch it every year i watch really it every and year. truly yeah okay okay um did you what, think about it any differently watching it knowing we were going to talk about it yes <laughs> um mainly because i watched it again after i had watched uh the end of the affair okay, yeah and I'm watching it going, oh, this is such a much more elegantly made movie than because <laughs> like Vanishing Point is it, it's a little sloppy at times. Like they were trying to do things that they didn't have a big budget for. Yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of like the helicopter shots next to the car, sometimes out of focus. Yeah, and yeah. like it's um, that feels like thematically to the point of the movies like that feels beneficial to the movie. Scrappy. I it's scrappy. Don't disagree with you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I was a little more self-conscious about it, I think, because like the camera work and the framing and everything in the end of the affair is just so. Yeah beautiful right. and so meticulous yeah but it's also a 23 million dollar movie <laughs> yeah, and this yeah. is a 1.5 million dollar movie yeah yeah and like they didn't with even a lot of locations with a lot of stunts a lot of stunts like... they had five dodge challengers uh-huh. okay. uh, they were given five by uh chrysler yeah they said here you go yeah and so they knew that like okay we can Ostensibly, we can wreck four of these. Right, 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 right. Um, but we got to be careful. Yeah. Um, and so, like, they used their budget well. Yeah. Um, and it came off. So I was, I was aware of that. I, I think also there is an element of not as much talking about it on here and talking about it with you because I've always wanted to talk about this movie with you. Yeah, yeah. Um, but just trying to check myself a little bit, mm -hmm. I think, is always something mm -hmm. I do when I'm watching a movie that I quote unquote love. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Uh, I still loved it yeah, cool. and I still walked away from it going warts and all that. I, that might be my very favorite film. Yeah. Yeah. And it, yeah. every time I watch it, it goes up that ladder. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, I'm getting older and as I get older, I can, you know, relate a little bit more to Kowalski. You know, I, my life has been great. I don't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I have a great career and, and everything. So right. it's not. You've not tangled with corrupt cops. You've not gone no. to war. There's like there's. Yeah. No, yeah. no, no, no. But I do. I, I, I like I can look at him and go, yeah, I get it. Yeah. I, you poor guy. Yeah. Yeah. You've been. Well, he really does seem to fill in for a whole generation. Yes. Right. Like he's. He's showing he, when one character they're showing all the possible paths yes. that have not worked out. Yeah, you know, and that's you know deeply kind of 
depressing it thing, is you know but it was what was happening exactly and like, may still be today i mean there's there's that feeling is not is not um was not alien to me as i watched the movie of like you try this you try that never enough it can't i thought we'd fix this we haven't fixed that i mean the 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 um uh there's a, there's a group uh, there's a, a beating scene in the um oh the radio station the radio station yeah um where the where the engineer and um soul soul super soul super soul get beat up and we are afraid maybe killed as a guy with a gun in there like it feels it's violent very violent and bloody and, and he's blind when we say blind like he is blind. blind blind like this is not yeah like he's not like sort of no he's no. he has a guide dog yep. who i was very worried about during that sequence but yeah. like like he stands up and is very clearly like he doesn't know where these people are right. they're coming to hurt him right 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 and there is, yeah, coming out of the 1960s, there's also a racial slur that, man, when it when it happens, yep. it really punches you in the face. Yeah. Yep, yep. Um, and the movie deploys that stuff very cannily, I think. Like it knows, the, uh, you know, it it if it does not know or is not consciously trying to map to a generation, it knows the truth of these moments. Yes. It knows the truth of these kinds of things that happen. And so the moments play very truthfully, which is only then in retrospect, we look at all those truthful moments put together and say, this is a movie about a generation. Yes, absolutely. And that's how I feel about it. And yeah. uh, before we came on here, I read a little bit up on uh, sort of all of the counterculture in the 1960s and everything. And the more I read about it, the more I'm kind of like, mm, yeah, vanishing point. <laughs> Yep. Yep. There it is. There yeah. It is. Yeah. It's it's a lot there, and and I can't. I will. You can never. You, you can only. I don't want to say playfully. I don't know how to. I don't know how exactly to say this. I can never live through the '60s. Right. I can never. All I can do is like experience it through other people. Right. And through writing and through everything. So I can't say that I get it, but I can look at all of this and go, that sucked. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like there was a lot going on there that was awful. Right. And there was a lot of hope that had built up that fell apart. Right. Well, it's an interesting thing that it's looking at these two movies side to side. And, and I had not really thought about it as a, until you'd mentioned it, that these movies unfold in kind of a similar way Yeah, in that they start, you, you kind you think you know what you're getting mm -hmm. and then, it sort of turns over one more card, right? And then you're like, oh. And it turns over another card. And you say, oh, I see. <laughs> turns over another card. And you're like, oh, okay, I see. This is much more complex. Like the, yeah. if the story is simple, the telling of it can be very complex. Or or the the thoughts and emotions that it sort of evokes in you can be very can be very complex. Yeah. Um, I'm curious of your thoughts about Barry Newman's performance as Kowalski, because it's a very kind of particular performance. And is that something that you have changed your sort of point of view on over time? Or how does it strike you now? It's weird because I think the thing that has changed the most since I first saw it was thinking about um, filmmaking in general. Mm -hmm. Like, well, I don't want to say that's changed the most. I've changed as a human being. But like the thing that I apply to this the most yeah. is looking at it and going, okay, yeah, you you wrote the scene in where he stops to make sure everybody's okay. Mm -hmm inherently that's going to make us go, oh, he's not a bad guy. <laughs> he checked to make sure they were okay. Yeah, he also ran them off the road. Right, right, he, right. Ran, he ran a motorcycle cop off the road who, you know, they're fine. And then the guy in the yeah, like European. The little, yeah, the convertible. Like, he should have died. Yeah, yeah. Like, he landed. Lands on his head. He lands on There's his no head. No roof over it. Yeah, like, yeah. It, he should have been killed. But then they, you know, they in a very 1970s, you know, <laughs> wah, 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 <laughs> yes. scene, he's popped out of the car and he's fine. Right. Um, that bothers me mm -hmm. in a way that I don't, 
it, it's tough because I think Kowalski, the character, would stop. Yeah, yeah. And look, but at the same time, I don't like being told that he's really okay. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I think it. I don't know. It adds a murkiness there that I'm not comfortable with. That's interesting. Um, I don't think Kowalski is necessarily there to be liked or disliked. Mm-hmm. I think he is. He is an encapsulation of things, and we're there to like all good character studies. I think we're there to experience this story that is his story. Mm-hmm. Uh. Those are the things that make me uncomfortable the older I get. Yeah. Because the more I know about editing, it's like, well, you show me that. Yeah. You know, it's one of the reasons I hate Wally, actually. Interesting. I feel manipulated by Wally. Interesting. I know that all films manipulate. Right, right. But you really feel it in that moment. And when I feel it, I hate (laughs) it. You resent it. it. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, I resent it. I get back and I go, fuck you. (laughs) Don't don't, don't Don't do that to me. Don't try to make me cry. (laughs) Um, There is a part of me that. So yeah, those those are the things that I that I disconnect to, and I yeah. feel the filmmaking, and I feel like they're trying to make mm. me feel a certain way. Mm. I don't know if that's accurate to your experience. I I don't know. I I didn't feel that way watching it. Although I wonder if I saw it again, if I would, if it would stick out a little bit. Because watching it for the first time, he, and I think it's a very smart choice. He doesn't give a lot. No, like, he doesn't. There's no there's there's not a lot of performing in in a in a sort of traditional sense into the performance. I shouldn't, that's not quite the right way to say it. Well, no, he he reminds me a lot of that era of actor that's Jack Nicholson, um, Pacino. Like people, Pacino became something that was very that did stuff that did stuff. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. like there was a whole era of actors who were underperforming. They play in a low register, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. like and Bruce that was Dern does the same. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I mean, I, I think Kubrick and Nicholson got into not an argument, but a very heated discussion over the fact that in The Shining, yeah, that Kubrick was like, "No, I I need you to telegraph this. I need you to be more present." And he's like, "Well, I'm trying to be more real." Yeah, and Kubrick is like, yeah, "It's real, but it's boring." <laughs> um, and within the confines of The Shining, that makes yeah. sense. But here, yeah, it it not being able to really read him, yeah. Uh, he has a couple of really wonderful moments, yeah. I think, yeah. um, where the woman on the motorcycle offers him sex. Yeah. And his turning down of yes. that yes. is a great moment yeah. because yeah. it could be schmaltzy. Yep. It could be very 80s action hero. Right. Look how good of a man or noble. I am. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's not. No. It, it's very much like, no, I got to drive. Yeah. <laughs> I got I to get <laughs> I out of here. I got a job to do. I've got things so. I'm focused Maybe on. You could and, smoke something. She's like, yeah. oh, some, some, like a joint? He's like, no, just like a cigarette. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And but he's also very nice yeah. to her. Yeah. Like yeah. The, the, again when we go back to like, you know, what does that mean and everything. He is obviously one of the first things we talk about or I talked about when I would teach directing. Yeah. was a simple question the director asks the actor. Mm-hmm. Especially if they're having trouble with a line is you simply say, is this line trying to make that person feel good or bad? Uh-huh. uh-huh. I love it. Yeah. That's yeah, it. Yeah. This is like, and that, that can be enough to get the ball rolling on a performance. Right. Because then the scene starts to lock in because right. you go, okay, well, what is my goal in the scene? Right. What am I trying to do here? Yeah. 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 And a lot of times it's too complicated. Right. Like you're saying, well, you're trying to engage in subterfuge <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. and lie to them about this so you can get this, but no, simplify it. Simplify right. it. Are right. you, and he was trying to make her feel good. Yeah. Yeah. Very clearly. Yeah. And sometimes just that simple thing is enough for me to really get on a character side. Sure. And just be like, no, you're just trying to, he's like, no, 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 it's fine. You're yeah. great. I yeah. just don't, I'm not, that's not for me right now. Yeah. And yeah. I like that. Yeah. I, yeah. I appreciate it. I also appreciated that the romance in this movie was edited out. I knew this. Oh, wait, there was a romance? Oh, you mean yeah. that we just don't see? We don't no, see. No, 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 no. Charlotte Rampling was in this movie. No. Yeah. And she was edited out. 
How? Where would she have put? Where would it have had? Like on the road? Like <laughs> yeah, just like, she was a hitchhiker. Oh, I'm so glad they didn't do that. Yeah, I mean, it, I love Charlotte. Oh, Rapper, I do too. But, but like, I'm so glad they didn't do that. This yeah, movie. and that's another thing for me. Like, I hate pointless romance. Yeah, you do. I don't. I, I, just, yeah. I like good romance. That's like, why I was I was self conscious watching in the affair again. Thinking, <laughs> oh my god, this is like. But I knew it's integral. Like it's integral to the story. It's that's different, the story. Different thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. no, I love no. good sexy romance. Like I love that everybody. I don't. I don't know. This is hard for me to explain, and it drives me a little bit crazy because I think a lot of people feel like oh you just don't like no like, you I don't know, like and then no that's not you. The, the well no but the listeners might think okay, that okay, because okay. like I get on it with a lot of uh-huh. movies we watch on here I don't like pointless yeah yeah I don't like check uh, the box add the add the romance for the sex scene in the movie yeah yeah because yeah. I think there are some films like some really great action films that have done it. the Terminator it's important right. in that movie in fact it is and, sort of central to the yeah. whole story and so yeah. when you get there it's wonderful and it's right. also about two people connecting right. that's right. great but right. just to have that box checked no I hate it oh, which 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 would be the only way it would work in this movie. It would, it would, right. It would feel like a complete box check in this movie. Yeah, and I hate that. Because what's so nice is that the love affair that is in the movie is just in that flashback. Like we just see, or maybe there's two, maybe it's broken up over two. The woman on the, surf, yeah, the yeah. surfer. Like he has, this is a, his other possible way out is through this this woman yeah. and their, or their relationship or their whatever that he's sort of finding that then she goes missing like it's just just gone right so there there's and I like that it's just she's just gone it's just gone like everything else in the movie like it just ends and he's yeah. like left alone and I and I think that that's that's so um, that's such a great use of and I guess there is there's a, they have a sex scene in the movie too it's just like it's all in the past it's all in a yeah. it's it's not about the plot it's about his character in some kind of way it's about how he reacts to things right right and and uh, like how he reacts to her talking about his scar how he reacts to her wanting to go out one more time right she, she wants to go out one more time and he's like okay well you know be careful because yeah. it's like you know you don't want to get caught in the thing and she's like whatever and go yeah. you know and goes off and then you know how he reacts to um, Super Soul at times because mm-hmm. he has different reactions mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to right, Super right. Soul when he hears him on the radio. Right. And all of those reactions are important right. to his character. And so, yeah, I really like his performance a lot in here yeah. because it's very minimal, yeah. but it's also very clear yeah. um, without feeling overacted in any way. Right. Like, I understand how he feels when he just gives a camera, a look to the camera, right. a look past the camera. Right. Um, he holds a close-up really, really well. Oh, he really which does. Which you have to in a driving movie. Yep. Especially one that spends this much time in the car, like a character spends this much time in the car. You have not, You don't have your body to work with. You have your face. Right. And he does that, again, with by he gives a lot by giving very little. And I thought that that was, it's a brave thing to do as an actor. Yeah. Like, it's like acting with your hands tied behind your back, right? Yeah. It's great. Uh, and I really admire it. And I think, I don't know a lot about him, but I know that every time I see him pop up, I like him a lot. Yeah. And when he popped up in the line, I even told you, hey, yeah. it's Kowalski. Yeah. I love Kowalski. And yeah. so I, yeah, I, I think it's a really wonderful performance. And I think it is a bit of a Kuleshov experiment <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, in that he's kind of blank. So we project onto him a bit. Totally. Um, but it's the, you know, the key, was it good acting is reacting. And right. he just reacts to what people say and how he reacts tells us how he's feeling, tells us how he feels about that character. It's all so simple and, yeah. and, and beautiful and barren. Yeah. And so his, <laughs> his, his reactions and his performance is very much like the desert that he's in. Yeah. 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 In, in a beautiful way. In a beautiful way. Yeah. I'm just I, so excited. I got to talk about this movie. I, I really love this movie. I, I, it is one I will absolutely revisit there, you know there's one, there's one other thing I wanted to say the movie begins Vanishing, Vanishing Point begins where it ends like yes. it begins with them setting up 
the roadblock, but we don't know what's happening. It's just these like these two earth, these two uh, bulldozers moving through town and like people looking and then cops start to show up and then the CBS news van shows up. And there are a few times in the movie where we're off the road. We're not with Kowalski and we're seeing other things happen. Another one is when Super Soul is, I think it's the first time we meet him walking across town to the radio station yeah. with the dog. Mm-hmm. And like, there's it's no explanation. Cut to this guy and this like, guide dog walking across the street and everybody's kind of standing and looking and, you know, in this kind of sort of barren town landscape. But, but the movie, it feels very confident in those moments. It feels like I'm putting, I'm putting the pieces in play and you'll, you'll see why later. Yeah. And, and there's, there's, you, you feel in the hands of a good storyteller apart from the idea of, Oh, there's all this like, um, uh, uh, you know, there's some things are out of focus. All these things we've talked about, like the the roughness of the of the filmmaking style, which I think is works with the movie. There, there, it's clearly very deliberately made, right? Like, oh, they, yeah. they've thought about how, and a lot of the characters in the town where the barricade is put up feel very. I don't know if it was documentary footage. It, but feels, it feels very like documentary. They just caught people there, yeah, hanging out to watch the end of this chase, like people in real life watching whatever's going on in the movie maybe or whatever it is, right? Yeah. Like it feels um, uh, in, a, in a, a way that I guess uh, feels more sophisticated than maybe some of the, if you just watched it, one of the chase scenes, you might say, oh, it's just a chase movie. But there's a lot more going on in the way they put the movie together. Yeah, and I think that leads me to two points about it. The first one being, I've always been impressed with how this film sort of created a folk hero out of Kowalski. Mm. Not necessarily in our world, but in the world of, of the, the film. Movie. yeah. He becomes like he's not trying to become any sort of hero. He's just trying to get the car to San Francisco <laughs> and and fuck all. Like he's right. just like gonna he's gonna go and drive and that's gonna be it. But there part of it is Super Soul builds him up. Mm-hmm. But there starts to be like people start like, yeah, stick it to the man. Right. You know, which again p- falls into that counterculture totally. thing. Um and so that was always neat to me. As a kid, I was sort of like, oh, you know, I had very few touchstones for that, but I was like, oh, he's like Robin Hood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, yeah. like he, because I don't know what Robin Hood's real intentions were. <laughs> I just know that he became this thing. Right. And then I loved in this, I think it was a very early sense of like, oh, no, he's not trying to be a hero. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's just existing right. and doing what he wants to do. And the people need the hero. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because they want to believe in the hero. Yeah. yeah. Which is really potent totally. right now. Like totally. that is, um, you know, I don't want to get too far into it, but it is a thing that like, if you're on Twitter at all, like you're looking, people are looking for the heroes. Right. right. And we keep hoping that this next person is going to be right. the hero. This one. And then there are, all the, there are always those people that say, you know, this person is not going to save us. Right, right. You know, right. And it's generally true. Right. Like, it's usually a combined effort right. that's going to save us. <laughs> yeah. Um, Just always harder to pull off and less satisfying in a direct linear kind of narrative way. It's true. Yeah. 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 Um, so, you know, that was always something that stuck with yeah. me. And it's still, as I get older, it's it's more potent and it's fascinating. And not in a nihilistic, sad sort of way. I just look at it and go, that's really interesting. Mm. That they were able to do that within this movie. You create a modern folk hero. Yeah. I'm sure other films have done it. I am sure they have. Sure. But I don't, off the top of my head, I can't list them. Yeah. Um, and the other thing I wanted to bring up was something that I found, every time we do one of these, we find that these movies connect. Yeah, yeah. In weird I ways. I love it, I love it. I love the fact that generally, neither one of these films has an antagonist. There's no bad guy mm. in either of these films. Mm-hmm. Right. It's simply person- and then the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, 
And that, or, you know, in the case of the end of the affair, it could even be person against God. Sure. You know, and in this, it's person against uh, the, the in, in Vanishing Point, it's more person against a system. Totally. Yep. Um, and I love that. Yeah. Because it can be boring if yeah. done wrong. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's... Um, but you have two uh, Richard Safarian, um, who directed this, didn't do too much else. Uh, he did The Man Who Loved Cat Dancing, which is a film oh, my mom yeah. liked and I watched a lot when I was a kid. Yeah. Um, but he was a working director, yeah. like made a lot of television, did a few movies, you know. So he didn't do a lot of big things. Neil Jordan, on the other hand, like, you know, just keeps knocking things out of the park left right. and right. I read a, <laughs> just a, a synopsis for a film I haven't seen of his when I went, well, I want to see that. And I think it was called On Dean. Oh, yeah. From the same. Or, yeah. From. Uh, yes. The, um, um, uh, Colin it, Farrell. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. That's maybe maybe about a mermaid, Irish fish, <laughs> yeah. fish folktale thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that I'm like, well, I want to see that. Yeah. Um, so, but I love the fact that there's no direct antagonist. Like even the mm. cops mm-hmm. aren't really painted that badly. No. Like there's, you know, one of them is kind of snarky, but then the old the older one is just kind of like, you're doing just as much illegal shit as this. You know, it's right, like, right. They're all humans existing right. in the world. Right. And, and some of them are part of the system. Yes. And some of them are unable to be part of the system. Yes. Or choose not to be part of the system. And I love that. I, there is, it's refreshing. Not every movie needs to be that. Sure. I, I don't, I don't want every movie to be that, but I like it when it's done well. Yeah. And both of these movies do that really well. Um, <laughs> so yeah, those are my two big things. I still love this film. Yeah. Um, and will probably carry it with me to the end of my days. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's not a film that I see losing any steam with me or any relevance yeah. or any relevance. Yeah. I wish it would. Yeah. Um, a little less relevance. It would still be a great movie. <laughs> yeah. Like you know? I, I wish, I, I wish I could say that, you know, yeah, I, I get it, but I don't know. Maybe we are just doomed to repeat things. So yeah. Thank you so much yes. for sharing the end of the affair with me. Thank you for sharing Van- Van- Vanishing Port with me. As I say, I will definitely watch it again. Excellent. That makes yeah. me very happy. Yeah. I'm always worried when I show, the, show <laughs> these to people. I'm like, oh. I like this. Do you like this? Do you yeah. like this? But um, yeah. It's funny. The only thing we really disagree on is Marvel films. We do flop on Marvel, like back and forth on, yeah, on Marvel films. Yeah. It's true. It's bizarre. Yeah. But yeah, it's fine. Yeah, you know. I gave up on it finally. I was like, up, oh, I'm done. <laughs> Um, well, Tobin, uh, tell us where can we find you and your podcast? You can find me on Twitter at Tobin Addington, and you can find the, our podcast, uh, The Contenders, uh, wherever you get your podcast. Look for The Contenders or on Twitter at Contenders underscore pod. Our next episode, we have an episode on my best friend's wedding that's out right now, and our next episode is going to be about book smart. Oh, cool. Yeah. I have heard nothing but really fun things Me about too. that. Me too. I had so. not seen it yet. But Very exciting. Well, you can find us at Real Bad Pod uh, on Twitter and Instagram. And if you like what we do here and want to chip in a buck or two, you can go to patreon.com slash realbadpod. Patrons once a month get to vote on a movie that we will talk about. And uh, next week, going to be watching Three Ninjas. <laughs> Thank you, patrons. You all know that I hate children's films. <laughs> Every time one is out there, that oh, let's make him watch that. That's why we voted for it. Oh, God. It was overwhelming, too. Like, that was <laughs> clearly the winner. Uh, so, yeah, next week is going to be Three Ninjas. After that, we're going to be taking a week off because I'm going to be at VidCon. Um, so I won't be able to record anything. But then we'll be back on our regular schedule after that. So until then, this has been Real Bad. <laughs>